When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Dad Vengers podcast, sponsored by Tonka, because being tough is all about getting out and playing. I'm Nigel Clark, TV presenter and performer, and I'm also host of this wonderful podcast where we explore different aspects of parenting and hone in on the dad point of view. And mums, grandparents, carers, we want you involved in the conversation too. So let's talk, let's laugh, let's share the things we find difficult and become the type of dads we really want to be. Today I'm joined by dad to three young children. He adopted these with his husband, John. He's a huge presence in the LGBTQ parenting world and one half of the award-winning podcast, Some Families. It's an LGBTQ parenting podcast series that aims to support families and answer questions for those curious about queer parenthood. I'm so happy to have him on the podcast, not only because he's an amazing person, but he's also a friend that I used to work with. Please welcome the brilliant Stu Oakley. Woo, hi. Hi, Nigel. I feel like I should have some like sliding doors that I walk out of with that intro and there should be like dry ice and like flashing lights and all sorts. All of that. We'll put all of that in in post. Brilliant. I'll just picture it in my head for now. Great. (laughs) How are you, buddy? I am really good. The sun is out and whenever the sun is out, it just makes me happy. So, um, so no complaints from me, even though the kids can't sleep, I can't sleep, but I will never, ever be that British person that moans about the weather. So being too hot. So, um, so yeah, I'm just enjoying it at the moment. It is. It's a hot one. But you know what? Like you said, we cannot complain in this country because who knows? In a couple of days, we might have hailstones. So Exactly. A couple of days. It may be this afternoon, Nigel, for Christ's sake, the way that the weather <laughs> in this country goes. But yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So for those who don't know, tell us a little bit more about your parenting situation. You've got three little ones, yeah? I do, I do. We have three children. Uh, We have um, a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And you adopted your first two at the same time, right? Correct, yeah. We adopted our little girl and boy uh, in June... 2018 so yeah three years ago now so we adopted them then their siblings um and uh the littlest was only seven months at the time and our daughter was two and a half wow so had you always wanted to be a parent was it something you dreamt of since you were a little boy yeah it just for me it was always going to be the 
the the step that was always on the table as it were i never i never once thought it wouldn't be a, a impossible to do it just it felt like in my future that's what was going to happen in you know i was going to be a dad one day i think i always pictured that when i was little i always pictured that growing up when I was having my little like you know fantasies about getting married and having a family and it I I think I was maybe maybe I was naive in thinking that there wouldn't be any issues in in creating a family um but then again there haven't been many issues in having in in creating family and I think one thing we always talk about on the podcast is you if there is a will, there's a way. And regardless of your situation, regardless of your family set up or whether you're a single parent or a two parent or even a three parent situation, which we have come across, um, then you can do it. There's always a way because there's so many different options available to people now. So so you say that your your journey into it was maybe less fraught than other people in your position. Um have you been bumping into that in your podcast, people you talk to, uh, people you socialise with? Yeah, I mean, it just it comes down to individuality, really, in terms of the way that you want to explore your parenting route. And as a queer parent, you're never, um, you know, to put it as uh, one of our guests said, what was it? You can never just have a, a, a cheap glass of wine and a lasagna and it leads to it leads to a pregnancy. There's always something extra to it. You always have to go out of your way to become a parent. And I think it just depends on that particular parenting route. My husband and I chose adoption. Um, and without generalising, because adoption is a really complicated process and I know that you've spoken to Jamie on your podcast before about adopt the actual adoption process itself um but in some ways I think that the adoption process could be easier than what I've seen people go through and spoken to people who are going through donor and fertility um uh, uh the the donor and fertility way of having a uh, having a child did you contemplate those routes no it was never really it was never really up um for us and like i say each to their own john and i just felt my husband john um just felt that to start a family we wanted it to be equal between the two of us and there that. was yeah there was never any if somebody I used to say this, I never say it anymore, but I used to say all the time, if there was a scientific way that John and I could have children together, that was a little bit of him, a little bit of me, you know, and there was a child that had a bit of both of us in, then that would have just been magical. But that was never going to happen. Um, so for us, adoption was a way of going into it on a completely equal footing it was never going to be one or the other's child. And I know people who have um, children through fertility or surrogacy don't think that way. Um, but for us, in that early deciding factor, that was just a really big thing for us. And since, But since having the children as well through adoption, I would, I've would i never once, and it only hit me recently, that I realised that I'd never even thought or said that at all since having the children. And if somebody was to say to me now, if someone was to knock on the door and say, look, we've got a magic potion and you can have a child that is a bit of you and a bit of John biologically, I'd yeah. say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I've got our three children and they're exactly what we want them to be and who we want them to be 
And actually, they do have a bit of both of us in them anyway. So because they get so much of our traits. I mean, God help them, the stuff <laughs> from me. But, you know. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. There's, there's, when you're coming into parenting that way, there are so many different avenues you can take. And it really is a personal preference and a personal, personal thing. If there was someone listening now that is contemplating it, contemplating going through it and they're, you know at a loss of which way to go. What, what advice would you give them? I would say have a listen to some families where we talk about all the different... <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'm no. Just, I mean, no, you're all good. yes, do 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 that. But uh, no, I think just explore. And whether that's to, you know, some families to, in total seriousness, because that was one of the reasons we started the podcast because there wasn't much out there. Um, there's a mate, but there's amazing resources, even from a social point of view, go on to social media. There's a great community out there um, of people who talk very openly about the different ways that they've brought children into the world and the way that they raise their children. And you've just got to feel what's right for you you just got to feel what's right for you and your partner um, or for you if you're wanting to do it as a as a single parent. And the thing you've just got to know is that if, like I said before, if you want a child, you can make that happen. You can. It's And don't, you know, because we've heard from people for, I think, particularly a slightly old generation who potentially always wanted children but never ended up having them um, because they just felt it was just, out of their reach and I think what's so beautiful about this generation and you see it all the time is like even people who you know are single parents who are like you know what I'm not going to wait around for the right partner I want a child more than anything else so I'm just going to go out and do it and to be able to have that option is is wonderful I think so just just have a look out there to have a look at resources and just work out what you feel is is the right path for you um and and to be honest most of the people I've spoken to they know the right path they know it they just you just know in your heart the way you want to go which is why I think there's so many people like I say the fertility treatments that people go through is so hard but they obviously want that way of having a child so much that that's why they keep going on that route and that's why they keep um trying that 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 journey and they should because that's what they want so why give up on that just keep doing what you feel is right for you yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, when we do have children, when I had mine, my first was a bit of a surprise. Uh, yep. It wasn't to be expected. We, I call it a surprise. Um, and with, <laughs> with your third, you yes. got a bit of a surprise as well, didn't you? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think... So when you go through the adoption process, the, the type of children that are generally the ones who are looked after, the ones that are in the system that are needing to find a home, they it's there is a large percentage of children who come from large sibling groups. Um, you can go into the ifs, whys of that. And, you know, there are many different stories and many different reasons why children have big sibling groups. Um, but there's always the potential that that sibling group, even if there is a group of siblings at that time, they are, there is also a potential they're going to continue growing. And so you go into that process and you know that, and, and when you have your panels and when you speak to people, you very much have that conversation of, 
if the birth mother was to have another child or if the birth family was to have another child, would you consider? And it was always something that John and I had said yes to and we would consider it and we would think about it. But in honesty, it was never something that really crossed our mind, um, especially because, you know, our, our two at the time already had three older siblings who are in long term, long, long term, who are in long term foster care. And so for us, it was already a large sibling group. I suppose we just didn't really think about it. So one day when we literally got an email, it wasn't even a call, we got an email <laughs> to say that there'd been a, uh, there was another sibling that had been born and would we consider um, that it completely, it was, it, it completely floored us um, and we weren't expecting it. Um, and it kind of threw us in a bit of a tailspin. Um, but we've always said it wasn't really, we never really had to make a decision the decision was made for us straight away, like straight away. I The moment we read that there was, we didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl or the age even at that time or health. We just knew that he felt part of our family. Um, and so then when we then found out that he had actually, he was actually five months old and that he had been in foster care um, since he was born, um, and also spent two weeks in hospital completely on his own um, with no one. Um, we were very angry and we were very angry at the system. And I think it highlights the fact that the social care system in this country is really on its knees um, because it was basically due to an admin error and an oversight, really, um, or a human error in oversight as well because it's people who are just so slammed and overworked that he ended up going into foster care for five months rather than being able to come straight home to us with his with his older siblings. Um, and we didn't even know about it. So it was a bit of a wow. crazy, crazy situation. Yeah, the, the system, and, and you hear this from so many people who work in it, um, is absolutely slammed, as you put it. Mm. There's It really is far too much work for the amount of people that are doing this good work. And sometimes they kind of get the blame and it's not, it's not their fault because really and truthfully, like you said, you should have had your son five months earlier. Mm -hmm. And for him as well, for him and, and, and taking us, I mean, selfishly, yes, we would have loved to have had him, but completely taking us out of the situation, which is what you have to do from an adoption point of view you know, it meant that he had to move into a home. He had to become attached to these two. Yeah, start bonding carers, with someone else, and which was completely unnecessary, and it could have caused him a lot more. Plus, also, I think also what we struggle with is the two weeks in hospital on his own as well, because they hadn't even allocated him a foster worker at that time. So he was literally on his own in hospital in the first two weeks of his life. And you think about a newborn baby, that's the time when, you know, that bonding experience is so key. And if we had have known about it and if we'd have known about him, 100% one of us, um, because of the other two, one of us would have been there immediately and have been there to, to give him that care. And I think that's what so, was so infuriating about the whole thing and frustrating and then also from the foster carer's point of view, um, you know, to 
they fell in love with him, obviously. And actually, they applied to adopt him. Um, and it was only when they were going through that process that then somebody had the, again, the insight to say, oh, have we tried again, the the the, the, the parents of the siblings? Um, and so they went through this heartache and it was really difficult for them because they had to come to terms with the fact that oh actually it's going he's going to go to somebody else um so that was really challenging and i really felt for them at the time um and again completely unnecessary it was a lot of unnecessary heartache but the one thing about it always that did happen and that is his life story um and you know what having met the foster carers and then when we did bring him home at least we can say to him he had like the best and it was seven months by the time that we finally got through everything and he came home um he had the best seven month first seven months of his life with them and they were absolutely wonderful and they loved him so much and he just didn't want for anything and he just had a great time so at least he will know that in the future of you know in terms of why he didn't come home to us straight away so yeah and then he ended up coming home <laughs> which and then we had three <laughs> <laughs> and then we had three was it a massive step from two to three you know what it wasn't too bad I think once you've got two that's chaos anyway and so I think <laughs> having a third it did change it's changed some it's changed obviously a lot of things and it and there are moments where if all three of them are kicking off at the same time and all wanting your attention that becomes a real challenge um and from a materialistic point of view, we had to say goodbye to our lovely car and get a horrible old family <laughs> family wagon that enabled us to have the security of having the three Isofix. I mean, oh, the joys of parenting, but yes. Well, it's all right. You can get some families like logo plastered down the side of it and just turn it into one big ad. This is a great idea. I don't know why I hadn't <laughs> even thought of that. Having kids... How has it changed your relationship with John? Um, it's enriched it, I think, um, in many ways. And But then it changed, I think, like anybody, right? I think your relationship completely changed when you've got children in the house. Um, you have less time for each other yeah. in terms of being alone together. Um, it's that typical thing of when you, then you do have alone time together all you can talk about is the children. Um, and that seems to be your only topic of conversation. <laughs> but it's nice to have somebody in it with you. And and John is just absolutely amazing as well. And he's such a good dad. Um, and he is that parent that he could literally be with them 24-7 and very rarely get irritated and really have a level head all the time. And then there's me running around like a weird crazy diva and the kids are now becoming more like me so I really feel for him in that way but yeah our relationship has um yeah it's it it's it's enriched it but also challenged it in lots of different ways and definitely over lockdown as well um I think that's been a super challenge of not having that respite because also we don't have parents near us either so we don't have and I that's been one of the key challenges I would say um in in our parenting journey so far is not having grandparents nearby to even just be like oh god can you just come around for an hour so I can just pop to the shop or you know those little things that I think people do get to have and so that's that's been difficult 
Yeah, not having the network around is, is always very difficult. Would you say that your parenting styles are similar or different? Uh, different. Yeah, we're definitely, we complement each other, I would say. But we, like I say, I'm more of the, I, I'm very impatient. I'm a, I'm a very impatient person, which when you're dealing with three toddlers is not a great combo. Um, and John is very patient. So when they're kicking off, he's more able to, to keep his kind of level head around them. Whereas I, you know, I'm quite impulsive and like I say, impatient. Um, but then I can be more creative sometimes with the kids. If I was to look at my pros and I like, and also I'm not afraid of just getting out there. Like for example, I will go and take the kids out on my own the three of them, maybe even with our two dogs sometimes. And I would just, cause for me, I just want to get out of the house and just do things. Whereas John struggles with that idea of, oh God, can I get them all out of the house together? And whereas I don't really think about the complications in it. I just go, right, I'm just doing it. And then just, it all comes together, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. We are so happy to have Tonka as our sponsor this series. Basic Fun's Tonka collection is packed full of fun vehicles for kids who want to get out and get tough with their toys. So dads, you've got no excuse. Grab that Mighty Steel Classic truck. It's time to head to the sandpit for some tough play. So thinking of the way different styles that you, you parent, let's, let's, let's go back a bit further. What was your childhood like when you grew up? What were your parents like? So my parents divorced when I was just over a year, I think. Maybe I wasn't even a year. I can't remember. I was young. I didn't remember at the time. Um, so my parents divorced. They've always had a great relationship, completely amicable, split. Um, and they were always friends throughout my whole childhood, which made a huge difference. And I'm so grateful for that because I think that there's a lot of people that don't go through that. Um and so, you know, just simple things like, you know, they're mutual friends. If they were to have a birthday party, we'd all go round and my dad would be there and my mum would be there and they would get on and it would be fun. It, would, it wouldn't be some awkward kind of situation, um, which was always really nice. So growing up, I had my mum at home. I had my dad, who I saw most weekends and went to stay with at weekends. And then my mum remarried when I was seven. Um, and so I had a stepdad. Um, who I had a very difficult relationship with, I would say. My mom ended up having a very difficult relationship with him. Um, I mean, he wasn't a great guy. So um, that added challenges to things as well. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of my own, to go to your question, my parents, I mean, it's funny, I see a lot of my dad in me now as a parent. You know, my dad's very can be very chilled out at times about things. And I think I take that approach sometimes, apart from when I'm stressed and I'm imp having my impatient moment, I, I have that element of my dad that's kind of like, cool, let's just see what happens. And I think that's when, you know, when I'm taking them out or I'm doing something and I'm not really thinking of the consequences sometimes. I get that from my dad. Um, but And I get a slight OCD stressness from my mum. So my mum like likes everything to be tidy and clean and, you know, it's very like she almost puts that above um, having fun with the kids sometimes, like from a grandparent point of view. Um, 
And I think I get that from her as well. Like if the house is just too much of a disaster zone, I just get really, uh, I it, it fills me with anxiety sometimes. And I get really, which again, when you've got three toddlers, you just have to kind of go with it. But then that's where John comes in and, and he's so great at being like helping tidy up. And I always know that like we, we, we reset the house at the end of the day, both of us. And he's so great at doing that. And, you know, it just, I just know if I always have that in my mind, it doesn't matter what the house looks like at a certain point that in, in six hours, it will be back to normal. Then, then that's fine. What's really interesting about what you've just described is that in your situation, you've sort of had your real dad as your, as your role model, even though he wasn't, around as much let's say living in the house with you he he was your sort of lead male role model even though you had a stepdad which in a lot of situations it's the other way around and it it for me it's quite nice to hear that your your dad that you um have maybe a bit more respect for because the other one was not a very nice guy is your is your role model it, it's nice to hear I'd never really, it's nice that you put it like that because I'd never really thought of it like that. And very much my stepdad was not my role model. And I would like to think I have no qualities of his at all. Um, And my dad is a very, you know, he's a very kind man. He's a very funny man. He can be a deeply irritating person to me and my mum. And I get that I'm probably a deeply irritating person to John and my kids at times as well. So, so yes, I have got a lot from him. <laughs> but, uh, and then on the flip side of that, you've also learned what you don't want to do as a parent. Is that right? Totally, totally. Yeah, you, you, you see things and you think, God, I don't want to... I want to be there for them and I want to have fun with them. And it's it's having those moments where your brain can go on one, it goes on one journey. And then all of a sudden, I think reflecting back on your own childhood can flip you back into things, if that makes sense. Like I could be maybe getting too stressed about the house or, and then I'm like, actually, what am I doing? Let's just chill out and let's just um, have some time with the kids. It's all, life is about balance. And I know everyone says that, but it's it's it, it truly is and I think that again going back to lockdown I have quite strong PTSD from lockdown um but it it you know it is a challenge and it's learning how to balance things for sure lockdown was tough I'm not <laughs> lockdown was tough for a lot of parents and a lot of people you cannot take away from it how difficult it was we were all plunged into a situation well, you get plunged into a situation in parenting anyway. Then you double plunge us into this whole like pandemic situation. And it Hideous. was tough. Really tough. Really tough. Um, yeah, I really struggled in, especially in the, the, the winter lockdown, as it were. Um, I think for me, work was really picking up and was really busy. We had all three children at home. John was working. We had homeschooling. And I know everyone's gone through this, but it was just so, it was really, you like felt like you couldn't go anywhere, do anything, keep them entertained. But eventually we got into a good rhythm at the end of it because I, I just learned that, you know what, some you can't work properly around the kids when you're in charge of them. You just can't. And so it was about letting go of that sometimes and actually 
thinking, right, this is my few hours with the kids or this is my day with the kids. So I'm really not going to be a slave to my phone and I'm really not going to, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm clocking off in my head from work and giving them the focus and the attention that they need. And therefore we have more fun together as well because it's not about me. Because what was happening during lockdown, it was... I felt like I was doing a bad job of at work. I felt like I was doing a bad job parenting. And there was it was just constantly like a cycle of just getting stressed about work and getting stressed about the kids. Whereas being able to separate that out and really give some kind of structure and routine to it is what ended up helping massively. It was still tough, but it, it helped massively to do that. You mentioned that um, the winter was was more sort of testing and trying for you. Um, one of the things that we talk about here a lot on Dad Ventures is mental health. And I was talking with Matt Willis about how he struggled to get through it and stuff. And he said something that was quite poignant. It was it was we're all we're all just getting through it. We're, none of us are getting through it and everything's fine and everything's cool. We're all having to manage our mental health and manage our self-care and all of those things. Um, and one of the things we like to, to, to encourage men to do in particular is to talk about those things because sometimes they bottle things up, they don't talk about it. There will be many men who've gone through lockdown and their mental health is not in a good place at the end of it. How do you manage to, to keep yourself in a place where you can take care of your mental health? I think... Um... I think it's self-care and it's recognising and being able to say to your partner, I'm struggling. Um, and I just got to a point where we were able to say that to each other. It was definitely more me saying it to John than the other way around. But, you know, it was it was recognising when you felt like you were losing it and to be able to just... Like I would message him, I would message him, he'd be up, so our off so we have an office which is quite separate to the house, which is great for the person who's in it, but less so great <laughs> for the person who's not. And so if he was up and I'd had a particularly was having a particularly rough time and I just felt like I suppose one of the only way to describe it is like almost like you feel like you're in a cloud and suddenly everything's just fuzzy and you can't like you feel like you're losing it. Um, so I would message him and be like, I just need you. I need you to come. I, I need 10 minutes. And it would either be going out for a walk for 10 minutes or just having a lay down for 10 minutes. And, you know, it was great to be able to have that because it allowed me just to get out of that situation, take a deep breath, work out exactly what I needed to do and then go back into it fresh. Um, it's really lucky to have that because not everybody has that. And not everybody has that person to be able to do that. Um, but I think, and one of the things, you know, we talk about a lot on the, you know, our podcast as well is about the benefits of that is that we don't, John and I don't conform to any gendered norms either, which I think has been a really interesting thing over lockdown and what you were saying about mental health and uh, how it's been a struggle for everyone. There's obviously been such a focus. I think the the, the mother-father divide in some ways has got so much better because of more dads being at home, potentially, if, if you're looking at it from a stereotypical point of view. But also 
I think it's got worse because I think it's 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 that gendered notion that mums need to be the ones to care for the children, even if they're the ones working from home as well. Um, which I don't know if, how true that is, but obviously there's been a lot of research and fact about that. So I just think it's a really interesting dynamic being a two um, dad family and not having to, as I say, conform to those gender um, stereotypes, as it were. We make our own rules. Like there's no, there's, there's, you know, we both share the load, both emotionally and physically, of what needs to be done within the house um, quite equally. Um which I find really helpful and has been, again, another thing that's helped through lockdown, I would say. Yeah, um, you mentioned there that you're able to communicate with John, with your partner, and how some people um, haven't got that around. But even when people haven't got that around, they should still try and reach out and talk to people, shouldn't they? 100%, yeah. There's always somebody, there has to be always, there's always somebody, there is. And whether, it's just difficult for someone, I think if you haven't got somebody who's naturally that person that you feel comfortable with going, ah, just help me, that's a really hard thing to do because there are always people out there. It's asking for it, which is, I think, what people struggle with. Like there's always a neighbour there's always somebody who, if you were really feeling it, would definitely step in and would go, just go and have a cup of tea for 10 minutes. Like there's always, there is always somebody, I think, but it's it's being able to ask for that and being able to, to recognise that, um, which is, I think, what we need to break down a bit more. That's That's the key thing, I think, that as society we need to break down. It needs to be more acceptable to on the parents group or on the whatsapp group just to be able to go i'm having a moment can someone just come <laughs> round because i know i know save me save well, me well i know for a fact it would feel weird to do it which is what is the weird thing about society but i know for a fact like the group of parents at my daughter's school on the whatsapp group if i was to message especially during lockdown and say help can someone just come and look after the kids for 5 minutes which I know is also against lockdown rules, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we haven't got any more. We haven't got those anymore. No, this is very true. But thinking back to lockdown, which I guess was the real, you know, head spinner with it all. There wasn't really anybody you could rely on. And thinking back to it, it's like, oh, God, yeah, actually, it wasn't just as easy as that. And you couldn't just do that. But and I think that's why it was so hard for so many people. It really was. But yeah, thank God for now. <laughs> unless unless you're listening to this in... <laughs> Don't say it. Don't lock, even say it. <laughs> lockdown five, you know. Yeah, totally. What is lovely to hear about you, what you've just said, there's two things I want to delve into. First, what's lovely to hear is that um, you have like a parenting group, like your WhatsApp group that you can like throw things into. Because as a parent, that is really, really beneficial to have. And I, I advocate for people to have other parents that they can talk to and throw random things into the mix. Because as a parent on your own, sometimes you get caught up in a thought, it'll go around in your head and you think that you're the only person going through this or you're the, you're the only person who has to deal with it in this way. As soon as you throw it into a parenting group, like we have at Dadvengers, it puts another spin on it, another perspective. And that 
can be so helpful as a parent. Yeah, definitely. Parenting groups and having an outlet where you can speak to other parents about things is so, it is important. But it also comes in different forms. Like I think your podcast and I think other parenting podcasts and also help because I think it's just listening to other parents potentially. WhatsApp groups, friends. Social media in some ways is obviously hideous and it can be really damaging from a mental health point of view. But on why it's so positive is it also can really help affirm, you know, even if it is just a stupid meme that somebody's posted about, I think there was one last week that I just loved, which was like screaming at your kids to get them in the car and get their shoes on and then just, <laughs> and, and then waving politely to the neighbours, being like, oh, good morning, when literally they've heard you being like, get your shoes on now, I'm going to be so so it's those kind of things that suddenly you look, it's because it's that thing of knowing that you're not alone and knowing you're not alone in your feelings as well. So why, for example, that meme as the example is so important and yeah, they're funny and people share them, but there's a deeper meaning to them because it's about it's and, and sharing them on parenting groups, et cetera, on the WhatsApp groups, which we do with the, the school parents all the time. But it's about, um, it's about recognising that actually what you've done, you shouldn't feel bad about because everybody is going through it. And just because you do, especially me, you know, I talk about, you know, from an adoptive parent point of view, God, we're so drummed into the idea of therapeutic parenting. And yes, you do have to be a therapeutic parent when you have adopted children who have been through trauma. But there are some times when they just won't bloody put their shoes on. You're late. It's raining. You're stressed. And so you do shout at them. And you know what? That is OK. And it's OK to do that um, every once in a while. And it's OK to feel that that's normal. And that's what those memes and that's what those things do. They make you feel like actually you're a normal parent and everybody goes through that and don't worry about it. And I think that's what we all need sometimes just to know that because there's too many jolly do-gooders out there, which is the, the other flip side of social media when you're constantly seeing some parents being like, oh, wow, you've got it. You've got it nailed. Because um, no one has. No one's no. got it nailed. <laughs> no. no one's got it nailed. It's a full-time changing job that just morphs into something else every day of the week every month of the year it just keeps changing and changing and changing and that's that's parenting and once mm -hmm. you once you get come to grips with that then you just keep going just keep on going keep plowing through you mentioned therapeutic parenting uh and you've got some uh strong views on this because you you had to go through it uh being an adoptive parent and a lot of pressure was put on you to, to be a therapeutic parent. For those who don't know what that might be, who are out there going, well, what is a therapeutic parent? Can you give us a quick little background? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me. I was hoping you were just going to give them, I was hoping you were going to say it yourself. <laughs> oh, God. Therapeutic parenting. Therapeutic parenting is about being, it, it's, it's kind of what it says on the tin in the sense of you feel like you're giving therapy back to the children in your parenting style. So you, as an adoptive parent, your children have likely have been through or have trauma. definitely been through a form of trauma. Um, 
and that can take shape of many different things um whether that be abandonment or being you know abuse or i mean it's a wide spectrum that can be included within that so it's about recognizing that when they're kicking off or when they're screaming or when they're shouting at you or when they bite somebody or when they push their sister there may be something deeper there and so it's always i i feel therapeutic parenting is always being able to take a step back look at what your child is doing and then say right okay is there something here that i need to to delve into or is it or is it more just i need to be more mindful in my approach so it's 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 not just flying off the handle it's not sending them to their room or definitely not sitting on a naughty step which causes a, a huge amount of shame which if they've got shame built in because of the experience they went through then that is just such a big no-no those type of things so my viewpoint on it is that's great and wow wouldn't we all love to be therapeutic parents <laughs> all but we the can't time always be that 100% can we you can't and i and i think it would be impossible to do it 24/7 um especially when you're dealing with you know three children in lockdown with all the stresses i think sometimes you just you are going to flip and you are going to shout at them and you know what again that's okay and if i become that that kind of person that's because I, I just want to make one thing clear. I'm not anti-therapeutic parenting. And I try and in, include as many therapeutic, you know, parenting skills in my daily life with the kids as possible. But it's just not always possible. And it just, it's not always me. I'm, like I say, I'm quite impulsive and I'm quite out there. But at the end of the day, my kids feel loved. I know that. And they, and they have fun. And we try and have as much fun as possible. And you know, and things do come up with them that are related to their own traumas and we deal with those. And and that's the other thing. It's knowing your own children and knowing what works for them and knowing what are the buttons you would never push. Because there are, there are certain things that I would, in even the, the, the highest pressure situation that I wouldn't do or say because it relates to their own personal journey or their own personal trauma. Um... So actually, maybe I am a great therapeutic parent. The thing is, the, the key <laughs> now to I what say you're it. saying, the key to what you're saying is, you know fundamentally that you have to be aware of certain situations and certain things that might happen, and you have to think about that. Mm. And you do, as a parent, you do. But as we all know, it's impossible to be a perfect parent. There is no such thing as a perfect parent, and a, a perfect parent would be on that all the time, twenty four seven you know, there wouldn't be a second in time that they wouldn't, like, be delving into something. and look. But the reality of life and families and dynamics and us being tired and them being tired and someone being hungry and, it, you know, all, all the things that could come into play mean that it's not always 100% possible. So we have to kind of forgive ourselves a little bit for, for not hitting it 100% of the time. Totally, totally. I want to go back to what you were saying about some of the stereotypes that we, we bump into, because I know you're very conscious of the language that, that um, is used around parenting uh, and how it can 
be a little bit alienating and separatist for dads. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, um, I feel, and I've talked about this before, that there is the, the language we use around parenting is so uninclusive sometimes. And it just becomes really, it's not just, and also my, my point about it is it is not just alienating to dads, um, because I think it does alienate both gay dads, but also straight dads. Um, I also think it overall damages the, the, the work that women are doing to have equal rights in the workplace and at home and just in life in general, because everything is so focused on mum and baby sometimes and or it's those day-to-day things that sometimes I don't think people even realise that they're doing it so you know talking about the whatsapp group but god so many people just constantly refer it to you know the mums the mums at school whatsapp group or you know those type of things and it's it just becomes like well and I and I've spoken to other people who I know who they literally do have that as well. They have a mum's mum's a mum's group and group. a dad's group. Yeah, yeah. I know that sometimes they split it up, and you're like, "Well, yeah. did we really need to split it up?" Well, what's that about? What are the mums all talking about? Oh, let's share tips on what washing powder we had th- this week, and the dads are all like, "Oh yeah, what time are we going down the pub?" Like, God's sake, we're living in 2021, and it's it's about being a parent. It's not about being a gendered parent, um, and. It just feels like there's no progress. The progress can't be made if we're constantly putting women as the sole caregivers constantly and the only ones that do it because then they're not getting the right equal, you know, parenting leave or the right opportunities at work because, you know what, the because no man, heterosexual man, is going gonna, is, is gonna to be enticed to do it if all he's faced with when he's at home with the baby on his own is just only mum and baby groups or feeling awkward as the dad in the mum's WhatsApp group or it's just, and it's so, and the thing is, it's so simple as well. It just becomes about parenting and parents rather than it being about mum or dad. And don't get me wrong, I I 100% believe that there are spaces where it does need to be mums and it does need to be dads. And... And I mean, and I'm not suggesting we take away from that. It's just about being additive to that conversation. And it's about ensuring that people feel comfortable in the spaces that are available to them. I, I totally understand what you're talking about and what you're trying to achieve there, because the whole reason we're called Dad Avengers, and this might be, we've had to go fully the other way to make it work. And let me explain this a little bit. Um, If I called this podcast and this movement and this community that I'm creating a parenting community, we would have had lots of mums coming and far fewer dads coming and joining in and getting involved. Totally, yeah. So we've gone fully the other way and called it a dad's thing, but we're totally welcoming to mums as well because we know the mums will eventually come once they know they're welcome, but the dads will come because they think that there will be dads involved in it. So, yeah, it makes total sense what you're talking about uh it should be just a parenting thing but we we've been going for so long uh with mums this and 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 mums being the so the 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 
the main caregiver, let's call it, um, that we have to some way get it back to, to parents. And that's why what, we love what you're doing here at the, at the Avengers. And we think it's fully in line with what we're doing. So, yeah. You are recognising the fact that there isn't a place where dads can come together and talk about parenting. And because they don't feel comfortable or invited to the parenting space because it's so mum focused. And I think that's the exact example. So I think it's important to have a space like this where dads can come together and talk because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky line to cross because obviously I don't want to call dads a minority because it's but they I know kind exactly of are, what you mean but they kind of are a minority within the parenting space but I don't want it to become this you know misogynist like oh what about us kind of you know place again because it's it's not about that it's about giving back women equal rights as parents and making it feel like everybody's included in this journey this parenting journey because then that will make it equal for absolutely everybody yeah yeah this this brings me nicely to a point that I wanted to talk about, and that's um, parental leave. Um, how did you guys cope with that when you were adopting? Did, did they give? Did you, was your work um, uh, understanding about it? Did you manage to get a decent amount of time to to do what you needed to do? Yeah. So I mean, we were lucky. We saved for quite some time. So we had some good savings because we knew we wanted to have children for a while. So we wanted to save. Plus also part of the adoption process, they almost enforce you to have some kind of savings, um, I believe. They did for us anyway. Maybe they just saw that we were big spenders and were like, you need to get some money. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we were lucky in the sense of um, we did shared parental leave. Um, and we actually both took eight months off together um wow. which we felt yeah which was great because um that was so important from the adoption process point of view in terms of the attachment and the bonding with the children so we were able to be at home as a family unit of four as it were at that point um for eight months together which was wonderful and then I went back to work and John continued his unpaid parental leave um, because we'd used up our allow our both our company's allowances, as it were. Um, but our, our workplaces were fantastic, and again, I feel it slightly because I had a dad at my old work who asked me about what we did because he wanted to take off um, parental leave, and I said I, it's different because our actual policy was about adoption leave, which a lot of com I I think it's law. You might need to correct me on that, but definitely the company I worked for, they had an adoption leave um, policy, um, which allowed us a lot more freedom to be able to take off and 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 have that time together. Um, but I wanted to get back to work. I love work. Um, yeah. I mean, you know me through my day job, as it were, anyway, Nigel. So, you know, <laughs> I love my job. I love yeah. what I do. I wanted to get back to it, whereas John's always his his career minded is like well he would be more than happy to take a year off and if anything he'd love to be a full-time dad I'm sure um so it worked out for us um but I know it doesn't always work out for everybody and it's a really complicated beast parental leave because I think the government tries to push it in some ways but until they have a kind of policy that matches what they do in some European countries where 
actually you get paid out a decent amount for you both to have time off yeah both to have time together with the kids then it's it's never going to work and unfortunately what i believe happens constantly is that it does fall down to the the female in a relationship to have the parental leave um for the majority of the time because Mm. um regardless of whether she wants to or not it's 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 down to the fact that again equal pay and that women still on paper are paid a hell of a lot less than men meaning that when it comes to making those decisions about who has the parental leave it becomes the 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 woman that does it um so a lot needs to change and i think the policies need to be looked at massively Listen, we're nearly at the end of our time, but there's one more thing I need to ask you, and it's something we ask all of our dad vengers that come on the podcast, and it is this. If you could have a dad superpower, what would it be and why? Um, I think the thing that I've always said, actually pre-being a parent, it was always the one thing I wanted, and now being a parent, I want it even more. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'd need to fiddle with it a bit to make it work, I think, because... You can make it... You can fiddle with it now. Fiddle with it now. Right, I'm fiddling with it. So basically, it's... it's. Did you ever... Did you Do you remember the TV show Bernard's Watch? Yeah. Where, like, that to me still blows my mind. That would still be the best thing ever in the world. To have a watch that you could just stop time with and just Boop. do anything... So like when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, I could just press Bernard's watch and go back to sleep for five hours. Now as a parent, how joyous would that be? So the moment the kids come into the bedroom, click Bernard's watch on, sleep for another six, seven hours, then click it (laughs) and then get up and be like, right, time to start the day. Here we go. The thing I'd like to tweak about it or like, for example, yeah, or stop it, do all the housework and then sit down, have a cup of tea, read a book, then press it and then crack on with the kids. Um, I think maybe the one thing I would like, this is me getting sentimental, the thing it would be nice to change about Bernard's watch is to be able to stop it. Because it was obviously only just Bernard who would ever just stop the watch and everything else was, it would be nice to find a way that you can stop the watch and it's everybody in the family is also able to, Uh, time has stopped around us and we're able to crack on and do what we want to do. So maybe I'll call it the Oakley watch. So when I click it, that Oakley family are able to do what they want, but time's down still. I am loving your superpower. I'm absolutely, I'm I literally, I'm like, wow, this is, this might be the best one we've had because I, we need that in shops. People will be buying yes. Oakley watches just to, <laughs> just Can you to imagine? cause their families. Oh, it'd be just a joy. I just, it, it, one of those things where I can't think about it too much because it's just never gonna, obviously never gonna happen. But um, yeah, to be able to just stop time for a minute and go. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Stu, thank you so much for joining us oh, on the podcast. This chat's been amazing. You, it's been really lovely. Thank you for having me on. And um, it's, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing with dad vengers because it's really important and it's really important to have a, a space for dads to to talk and to listen and to feel heard as well definitely we're loving what you're doing as well for those listening who want to come and find out what you're doing where can they find you so we are at some families pod on instagram 
but um, you are obviously a podcast listener, so you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, we are some families um, and we cover a lot of the things I've talked about, but also we just celebrate different people's stories as well because there's so many different stories out there. And I think that's what I've loved about the whole thing is finding out other people's stories and how they've become a parent and how they've dealt with parenting. And folks, if I didn't mention it before, it's award-winning. You need to go and check it out. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. We won a British Podcast Award, which was amazing. So, yeah, Yeah. really happy about that. Dude, have a lovely day. I know it's scorching outside. Go and enjoy some time with the kids and I'll see you very, very soon. I will do. Thank you, Nigel. Wow, how great to have Stu on the podcast. Uh, doing great things for LGBTQ plus parents out there, raising awareness and just being a space where that they can share what's going on in their lives and share what's going on in their parenting worlds. Lovely to have him on the podcast. So there you have it. Another fantastic episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have time, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode or of the series as a whole. And don't forget, you can subscribe or follow using your preferred podcast platform to be first to hear the episodes. If you'd like to find out more about Dadvengers, head to dadvengers.com where you can find out more information about our live chats, about our meetups, quizzes, blog posts, and more. This has been the Dadvengers podcast, sponsored by Tonka, because being tough is all about getting out and playing. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.